Hey, this is Dewey from Pure Pleasure on Jabberjaw Media. I wanted to tell you guys about the Patreon for the show. It's called the Pleasure Seekers Club, and there's two levels. There's the $5 level and the $10 level. And all this is, guys, is to help support the show, help support the cost of putting the show out, um, you know, time spent uh, building the show, hosting costs, travel costs to do the in-person interviews that you guys like so much. Um, it all costs money. And I always try to find the best deal for sure uh, because I do have a day job as well. But having that support on the Patreon is definitely going to help bring more in-person interviews, more travel, more uh, updated uh, graphics, hosting, websites, all that stuff. So, um, And if you like the show, $5 a month or $10 a month really helps out. I know it's kind of uh, an interesting thing with the Patreon when something's already free. Uh, but it is always going to be free. But if you want to support the show a little bit more, I'd absolutely appreciate it. Uh, you can pay either $5 or $10 a month. We'll try to do some special things for the patrons as well as we go. Um, but it's just a way to support the show in a different way. And uh, like I said, I really appreciate you guys coming back week after week. That's the most important thing I can ask for. So definitely go over and check out the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Podcast. Once again, that is patreon.com slash Podcast. Sign up today and join the community and help out the show. Keep it growing. And I thank you so much. Hey, this is Emily White, host of the Interning 101 podcast, part of the Jabberjob Media Podcast Network. Interning 101 brings you interviews from everyone from execs who began as interns to what your dream jobs are looking for in interns. We'll be providing additional wisdom from myself, along with other entertainment and business professionals whose experience provide insights into the interning experience and beyond through a successful career. Listen and subscribe at jabberjobmedia.com. And thanks so much. going on guys welcome to another episode of pure pleasure with dewey halpas on jabberjaw media i am dewey your host with the most bringing you more great content week after week 
This week, guys, we have one of the greatest folks I know in the music business, a true hero. He is uh, one of the nicest people I've ever met in the music business, but he also really cares about the bands he works with. He cares about ethics. He's he's just got a sound mind. Uh, Mr. Johnny Minardi, he is the VP, Vice President of A&R for the Electro Music Group with Fueled by Ramen, Roadrunner Records. He is just, I mean, he's just climbing the climbing the ladder. It's super impressive to watch his rise, you know, and, and where he's come from to where he is now uh, in a very high-powered, you know, position with a lot of pull. And he's really changing, uh, you know, music. Um, he's he's bringing out some amazing artists. Um, you know, we talk about it in the episode. Uh, he's brought, you know, so many cool things, you know, to light and, and to the world from all over the world. So uh, big thanks to Johnny for coming on, uh, giving his time to come on the show and have a great chat. Um, it's always fun to chat with with buddies on this uh, on this platform, this podcast. So uh, anyways, let's get some business out of the way real quick, guys. PeerPleasurePodcast.com is the website. PeerPleasurePod at gmail.com is the email if you want to get in touch with me. Uh, if you want to send guest ideas, comments, questions, anything like that, or just reach out, PeerPleasurePod at gmail.com. All right, guys, check out Thunderbolt Guitars over on Instagram. They built me a custom uh, Telecaster Deluxe. Uh, they do the aluminum necks. Uh, Nick over in Detroit is the man. He will take your idea and make it a reality. It's the most incredible thing to see happen before your eyes. Uh, go check out Thunderbolt Guitars right now. Uh, we're also sponsored by Blackcraft Cult. Check them out on Instagram and online. Blackcraft Cult is uh, Bobby Shabensky started this company. Um, they've endorsed the show and they've got some amazing uh, clothing, accessories, all kinds of stuff. Uh, go check them out now. They're massive. I'm sure you guys have heard of them before. If you haven't, type in Blackcraft Cult and check out what they've got. It's got some amazing stuff. Uh, and shout out to Bobby. Thanks for the endorsement. And uh, we're glad to be working with them. All right, guys. So I want to get right into this one because it is a good one. Uh, so without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Mr. Johnny Minardi. Look alive, look alive, everybody look alive, look alive, ah! 
What up, Dewey? Yo, how are you, Johnny? How are, doing great, brother. How are you? I'm good. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you just fine. This is great. Dude, can you excellent. hear me? Yeah, I can hear you absolutely. Great. Absolutely. Technology, great. huh? This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> how are you? How was the uh, wedding anniversary? Uh, it was good. It was good. Yeah. 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 Five years. I. How are you doing it? It's crazy. May's a, a busy first half of the month. We have um, Mother's Day, our anniversary, right. and my, my birthday's on the 6th. So it's like a whole three things at once Great. there. It's Happy belated birthday. That's right. Oh, thanks, man. Thank you very much. And uh, Of course. Yeah, your girl just had a birthday too, didn't she? She did, May 9th, absolutely. May so 9th. just like you, that weekend was uh, her birthday Saturday, then May 10th, Mother's Day. So that was a big action-packed weekend for us. It was nice. <laughs> Although in quarantine, what does it all really mean, I guess, right? Yeah, so. exactly, exactly. <laughs> my daughter turns seven on the 26th. And right. uh, then my brother's birthday is the 27th. So it just goes <laughs> in pairs and threes, whatever. But Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So are you, cool. you're in Orange County, right? I am. I'm in Newport Coast. Newport Coast. Okay. So mm-hmm. are you having a nice day down there? It's It's been like pissing rain all morning and now it's starting oh. to get really hot. And then, Oh, so it's like sticky and muggy over there probably, huh? It's gross. It's gross. Yeah. All week it's been those. that way. No, we've, um, I don't know what the temperature is, but it feels like every day is like mid seventies and starts a little gloomy and gets beautiful by 10 AM. And we're just out there running around on skateboards and bikes with the kid. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And staying active. Good. Yeah. How has the, how's the quarantine been for you guys? I mean, is it like, yeah. I mean, you've had, I mean, a lot's gone on, but like, uh, yeah. I mean, for the, in the overall perspective, how's things going? Sure. It's good, man. Yeah. I mean, what is this week nine or 10 or some shit? And it's like outside of, you know, me, I can work from home just fine. I worked from home for 13 years and didn't really feel too much of a change outside of not driving to LA every day, which to be fair has saved me three hours a round trip commute every other day or whatever. So (laughs) um, I'm cool there. It's more about my wife's sanity with trying to take over for homeschooling for Sutton um, is the real change, I guess, of, you know, trying to continue learning and showing her, you know, the next steps to hopefully she, she was doing so incredibly well with school that we were like, fuck, you know, now here we are. We don't want to stunt whatever was in momentum there. Well, how has she been going about the homeschooling? Like my my wife has been doing homeschool with the kids for uh, the last two years, and so okay. nothing really changed for us at the house. But right, like, fair. But they say like forty five minutes uh, a day of school is about what a first grader can handle attention sure. span yeah. wise. Have you guys looked into right. that? Like, I don't know a, that. You- Right. I don't know the recommended. I think what we've done is we kind of, you know, the school has been really great about passing along kind of the structure of how their day goes. So we tried to take parts of it and do morning meeting and, you know, try to put a little of the same structure and fun things that she enjoys um, in there. But yes, also then trying to interject with like 30 minutes of real actual, you know, schoolwork and then something else and then come back. So yeah, I would say probably 45 minutes to hour, hour and a half if we're really, really lucky yeah. on a certain day. But yeah, no, that the intention's been, especially now, like week one and two, she was all in. Now it's like, 
can I go outside? You know what I mean? Like it's just 20 minutes in you're like, I'm, I'm good. I know how to spell that word now. Can we, can we be done with this? <laughs> They've been going so, on nature walks constantly to break up the day, or, you know, 15 yeah. minutes on the trampoline in the backyard or. Right. You know, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, out. listen, I think it's to each their own and obviously it's so uncharted for even us in our lifetimes, let alone them and theirs. So whatever we could all do to get through this shit sane and safe and healthy, like great. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I don't care what this hump actually means and hopefully it's just a little blip on all their growth charts in their brains. Sure. I, yeah. I really hope we can move past it. Cause I mean, I know a lot of things yes. are going to change forever, but hopefully not too much. Right. I know. Totally. But, or or we'll if it does for a good reason, you know, and it, it becomes yeah. a good thing. Right. I hope this is really, you know, in general, taught people like to be empathetic in other people's situations because clearly, you know, not to be selfish, but my life didn't change all that much. Luckily, I have a job and things are working just fine with me, but I'm looking around watching a lot of friends and stuff fall, you know, to some of this with getting fired or income for bands and, you know, all this other shit that we see every day that we take for granted or took for granted. Mm -hmm. um, I'm hoping can be like, everyone extend a hand to people who need it, you know, and just be like, wow, I, we relied on people that we usually shit on to get us through this stuff. And hopefully the big pieces of shit can look at that and yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. feel better about it. I hear you, man. We're seeing who does, uh, who matters like the, you know, totally. you think of what a grocery store clerk makes, you know, totally. and you think of what, you know, I'm in construction now and we do just fine. But, you know, sure. like you look, I think people look at construction workers too in the same vein, like, you know, just a bunch totally. of lowlifes and stuff. And there are quite a few, but, uh, sure. you know, <laughs> bad apples all over. It's the a place, fair but wage, like... but like these guys, like the, the, yeah, the, the, the grocery store people, I mean, it just, just yeah. drained. You see them, you go in the, the store dude. and they're just drained and terrified but they're right. doing, you know, if they weren't there, we'd all be struggling so bad. And it's just, yeah, right. it really shows you what matters, you know? Um, right. I just, yeah, I hope people come out of it with a new respect for a lot of people yeah, and a patience for it. So sure. We'll see. Absolutely. So down in, down in Orange County, are you guys starting like a fight? The reason I'm asking this, I, I talked to um, uh, John Feldman on mm -hmm. Friday. I had him on the show on Friday. And he mentioned Bro. something because I was kind of going at like, you know, a lot of things hinder are hindering, you know, that kind of career right now without being able to tour and record. And he said that things are pretty normal. Um, are, are you guys like moving into a, a a lift on some of the stuff like or is you guys still locked down? Uh, we on a lift, we have some stuff, but it's like, you know, beaches or like socially distance. I don't think like. You still can't do most stuff around me, at least. It's all like curbside and takeout for restaurants. Okay. Um, yeah, no, we're definitely not down here, at least. No, I don't know what LA is doing. Okay. Um, but yeah, I honestly, I think LA is on even a crazier lockdown. I know John's up, um, you know, he's further, further north than LA. So I don't yeah. know. May, maybe up there, it's kind of like here where things are more spread out and it's not on top of each other, like a major city to where maybe there's some more shit opening up by him i would say yeah okay that was that was interesting because yeah. like we have a bunch of counties in oregon that are able to start opening up on like the phase one thing and the big like portland Multnomah county uh is still no they're not even close to um, right having enough uh what do they call them uh trackers or whatever or contact right. tracers but, sure uh, sure anyway yeah man it's Who knows? crazy 
day by day, brother. <laughs> well, John, Johnny Minardi, dude, uh, take me back, my friend, because I want to. I want to start from the beginning with you because you've had an interesting road, and you. I mean, it's so awesome to watch the trajectory you've had, and and you know, like jumping for joy when these things come out. You know, when you got promoted and. And I know Maori and I were like texting each other, like, holy shit. Like everyone's like, <laughs> like cheering awesome. on, you know, like it's so rad, but, but uh, were you born in Chicago? I was born in a suburb. Yeah. In Chicago, but I lived in a suburb called the Splains right outside O'Hare. Okay. Perfect. And you have born like, and raised. Yeah. Take me through, I mean, kind of your childhood and, and I mean, cause that's yeah. where everything kind of, you know, comes from, you know, Cool. Uh, I would love to, to get that side of your story. Cool. Yeah. I, you know, like I said, grew up in Des Plaines. I had an incredible group of friends early on and, you know, life, like most, I'm sure young boys with sports and, you know, everything like that. Luckily growing up in Chicago uh, in the nineties was bulls domination as everyone's seeing from the last dance currently, which is super rad and introspective. <laughs> so I, I had a front row seat to the coolest shit ever uh, sports wise. So I was obviously very inspired by that. Um, a few of those friends uh, had grown into music and started playing or going to shows or whatever. And at that point, I kind of opened up, you know, my world from, you know, radio stuff into joining street teams when I was like 13 and 14 for like major labels or like drive through records and less than Jake and like all these bands. Um, and I, as I was doing that, I kind of just fell in love with it and didn't understand maybe from a super naive an innocent angle like why local bands weren't as big as bands on the radio so i just kind of started going to local bands and trying to help them promote themselves or tell more people about them and just kind of do anything to get more people to their shows or to i guess you couldn't listen to them online outside of like mp3.com or something at that time mm-hmm. um and then yeah so i found a couple of local bands the first two being 504 plan and august premiere and when i was 18 and said i want to start a label can i help you guys out i'll pay for the recordings and press the cds and let's go sell them you know we'll figure this out as we go and luckily they said yes um just started doing it and did that for three years and a couple of the bands um academy is gatsby's american dream hidden in plain view and august premiere all went on to sign with other labels fuel by ramen drive the records and fearless records so got to know those labels well, got to watch how they worked. And right after Academy signed, um, I was approached by Fila Raman to come and work there as they were expanding because Fall Out Boy was just exploding and they just needed more bodies. And we obviously had the similar tastes and he had signed two of my bands within two years. So we just got to know each other well. Luckily, got there right as that label was just having the run of all runs within this kind of scene and genre from, you know, bands that were selling a thousand copies and then went straight to radio and just dominated that whole world. I feel like with platinum records and just crazy shit. Um, So that was amazing to be a part of that and watch that. Then um, I was let go from that in 2012 when there was a lot of changes going on there shit of way above my head um he left the owner left to go run interscope and then i was kind of just left for dead a little bit and then jumped into started a management company which was producers mixers it's called self-titled management which i still do today it's 
going into its eighth year. Um, and then a few years into that, our mutual friend, uh, I'd heard him on your show a few weeks back, uh, Dan Sanshaw and I reconnected as friends and basically decided to work together and went to Equal Vision for oh, say like two, two, two and a half years, something like that. Um, and then after, during that, I was approached again by Feel by Ramen to come back in to uh, work there and at Roadrunner Records and now the Electro Music Group, which now houses both of, both of those labels. And I know that was a lot of information all at once. So <laughs> let me know if I went too fast. No, no, no. This is good. So the one thing I wanted to touch on first thing, which I love. Uh, you would always post those pictures from your teenage years yes. with random dudes from random, yes. like crazy bands. And you're you, yes. like either have like a static X shirt on or like, a, <laughs> uh, dude, those make me laugh so hard because yeah. you just it's look great. so like you're never smiling. Dude, I'm miserable. I don't even understand. Like, I, I, you know what it is? I actually went back the other day and looked through them with a friend that was here uh, at my house. And I think what it was is I was so nervous because <laughs> I was I was like, you know, I'm like a 15-year-old kid standing next to, you know, Meigs from Cold Chamber who has like a red fishnet shirt on. And uh -huh. like, I'm just super <laughs> confused. But I loved these bands. And I just like, I'd be the kid that would wait outside the tour buses or the backstage door or or whatever like i just was super interested in meeting these people and i don't know why in a way because i i say that like i love their bands but i never asked them any questions like i never said any i feel like i was probably so awkward i'm probably the kid that they were like what the fuck like that dude was so but whatever like i i just like i just threw i always throw myself into stuff i guess with that and really just jump in and enjoyed like i love this band so why wouldn't i want to try to meet them you know what i mean or whatever and but then meeting them I don't know. I just kind of took a photo with him and that was it. And I said, I met him. That was cool. So see, that's awesome though. Like that's, that's such a special thing that see, I used to do the same kind of stuff, but when we were already touring, like I would try right. to make friends with people and, and talk to, right. you know, like warp tour. It was kind of, it was two reasons. Like I, I genuinely wanted to meet some of these people, but I also wanted to have air conditioning and the, the bigger bands had Good buses point. and we had a van. Mm -hmm. So I wanted mm -hmm. air conditioning if I wanted to hang out and chat with whatever. So luckily, like, you know, Thrice is on Warp Tour with us. So like, sweet. I right. head to their bus every day and have right. air conditioning and good conversations. The rest of the band's like, you're such a fanboy, man. Just like they're just regular people. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, regular people that are doing extraordinary things that I enjoy. So cool. And now yeah. they're still the same way. I, I'm sure they're still like, you know, you just fanboying out. But I totally identify with what you were doing. But it's also hilarious. Totally. So you just didn't say anything. Just like, can I get a picture? And oh, then like bailed. Dude. Yeah, it'd be like, awesome show. Can I get a photo? You know what I mean? And that was it. There was no like, I can't even think of probably what the deepest conversation was. It would no matter what it was, it was no more than three or four sentences. At that at the age that you're seeing those photos, years go past after that, where the shit that I really fell in love with was like less than Jake or Suicide Machines and, and stuff in that lane. When I when I met those guys, I would actually ask like real questions about the band or a new album the new album or like i would have a thought of like holy shit this is my favorite song on your record like did did you mean this or, you know what i mean like i would actually have like a, a poignant thought on something they did so uh, years late i i guess you got to start somewhere is how i always picture it where like 
all those dudes that had nothing to say because they're probably 15 years older than me and looked crazy as hell versus once you get into the punk rock stuff, you're like, oh, that dude straight up is just a dude and he's on stage. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of like the magic's still there for you, though, for a little while, like where it's I mean, you can see the other side, but still that excitement's there. Like that's something that that you have that's so awesome that I think a lot more people in the industry need to have. I mean, it's something that. I mean, your passion for it, even starting then, I mean, you can see it like, yes, you're terrified, but you were, right. do, you were doing shit. Like yeah, you weren't sitting playing video games, pushed. you were doing shit. Right. You Absolutely. Know? No, I thought it was just interesting that these people could create stuff that I, that hit me in a certain way, whether, you know, again, a lot of people rag on the new metal, new metal era, but I, you know, some, it's funny because now it's like weirdly cool to like those bands again. Like, I don't, or maybe not, maybe not again, maybe for the first time or something, but like, yeah, dude, we would at school, you'd get made fun of for listening to corn and shit. You know what I mean? Dude. And, <laughs> so different i'm glad now you brought people that are up. like the coolest shit in the world and you're like what what <laughs> like hang yeah. on so if you and i could kid could like go back to that time because we're similar in yeah. age i'm 38 you're how, how old are you yeah. Jack? 36 36 i'll okay. be 37 in july so basically Perfect. 37 about, about the same age so like yeah. back in high school i used to draw the corns logo all over my notebooks <laughs> and like i had the hit parader magazine yeah. and we would trade issues and like oh i want those posters so my buddy and i would yeah. trade and you know like the jonathan davis before he had yeah. more tattoos and like super young <laughs> everyone's super young and blah 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 right if you could fast forward to now and like go back to ourselves and say hey in like you know 20 some years <laughs> here's where you're going to be and what you're going to be doing so right. uh yeah Ch- chino from deftones hit me up on instagram randomly there's a whole story to this i'm not going to go into but, oh, but i'll tell yeah. you later but uh because yeah. it hasn't happened all the way yet anyways randomly right. hits me up on instagram I thought it was fake. Sent it to right. my couple friends that are buddies of his. Say, hey, is this legit? And they're like, yeah, okay. So we're texting back and forth. He listens to the show. I'm totally freaking out. Like, what? I, I've, I've, everything you've done has been badass, and you're coming right. to me. Like, I should have gone through seven legends. different gatekeepers to get you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's like, hey, I'm gonna go check out Corn this Friday at Moda Center. Do you want to go? And I was like, <laughs> uh, yes. So it's the point where I'm (laughs) just going to say yes to everything in this situation. And so I told my wife, like, I think I have to go see corn tomorrow. She's like, what? And I was like, well, here's the story. And she's like, okay, yeah, you got to do that. So to this day, to, to that day, I've never seen corn live. They were my favorite band all the way through high school. And all of a sudden I'm going to see them for free. With Chino. Yeah. Like Velvet, well, Velvet Hammer sent tickets over and, I'm going to see corn at the Moda Center in 2020. Like it was Fucking insane. So and they were rad. Dude, so they're rad. So good still. If you're in, you're in, dude. It's like it, they they they're crowd pleasers, no question. Yeah. So that's so sick. And a similar story, my buddy who I grew up with and actually ran the label with, he tour manages Panic at the Disco and he and we were the biggest corn fans in the world in our mind back then. And he texted me. He was on stage at Summer Sonic in Japan like six years ago. And he's watching corn and Chino standing next to him. And he took a photo with Chino and he's like, if I told 13 year old me that this, he's like, this is the coolest moment of my life. He's like, this is <laughs> the stupidest thing that doesn't make sense. And I was just like living through him for that night. And he was sending me videos and then he would like pan over. It was just, it was the coolest shit. I'm like, wow, so rad. Dude, standing, so standing next to that, and that happens so often. 
If so you're cool. standing side stage for any band, regardless of how big they are, you're the odds of running into somebody enormous is it's crazy. Like I Too was cool. at a bar in Astoria, Oregon, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm standing there, and I'm, and I'm we're going to see uh, Chris Novoselic, uh, his new band, Giants crazy. in the Trees, and we have no idea that they're going to actually be there yet. Like we, you right. know, and this was like three years ago and my buddy like elbows me and it's like kind of like look next to you and i turn and i'm six five i turn right. and look and i'm looking at someone's shoulder and i look up and it's him standing right next to me oh, just kind of smiles and looks forward and i was like holy <laughs> fuck holy so fuck cool and uh anyways i got a picture with him but so here's the weird thing and this is a tangent but like he, i got the picture with him but what he does when you get a picture with chris is he puts his hand up like like uh, uh just up like not even waving but just up straight and stands there and smiles <laughs> really cheesy like he does when he's playing like he just smiles right. the whole time but right he didn't want to take the picture for one but i, I uh-huh. made him like i was like i have to i have to we have please right he's like all right puts his hand up but my buddy's phone they have that live um Oh, picture. No, yeah. So if you press and hold the picture he sends me, he's totally like angry and then smiles all cheesy and then goes back to mad. Oh, in the picture, man. it's hilarious. You see the full ride. The that's full so ride. funny. Anyway, <laughs> like I say, yeah. that's a tangent, but it's it, when you great. meet people like that, it's like uh, you kind of have to. You never know. In. You gotta ask. It's all good. Hell yeah. <laughs> so when did you know? Like when did? Uh, you said you started street team stuff, like doing street team stuff early on Would that yeah. around that time when those pictures were coming through, like, were you on those yes, bands street? That teams? was exactly. That's exactly how I was getting. Usually I was getting like a free ticket to the show or something, but never like a backstage pass or anything like that. It was always just, you know, here's a box of samplers for the newest new metal thing that one of these labels signed, please go to the next system of a down show. Here's a ticket to it. Um, pass these stickers out while you're there, you know, or whatever. So it was very, it was cool. It was, it was an awesome process. And I kind of got a glimpse of like watching these bands or like, I mean, I had hybrid theory, two song samplers before the record came out, you know, mm-hmm. for the, that Park. stuff. So it's like, I'm, yes, yeah, so I'm watching like these bands and I'm like, Whoa, this is really cool. And then like two months later, you're like, Oh my God, they're fucking gigantic. So it's like, I had this really interesting education firsthand of just like not doing i mean i'm passing it out at one show in chicago right i'm not breaking a band but i'm truly going well this is a band no one heard of two months ago and now they're huge so it's like in my brain something is like triggering of like well that's interesting as fuck how did they do that how did they go from zero to a hundred in a few months like so i'm just like watching this happen over and over and just probably not at the time thinking much of it or like taking notes or learning from it i'm just like once you see something enough times you kind of go whoa well why can't the band that i just saw play to 200 people in a vfw hall get that big maybe they can you know and you start to think that way um and that's where kind of the label then from street teams i just was like well i just love finding shit early and telling people about it i'm watching all these other bands do it obviously not knowing the large machine they had behind most of those things i was promoting clearly Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but still being naive and going well this band is just as good as the other two bands i think are cool so fuck it let's try it and you know probably making a lot of mistakes along the way but that's what gets you you know if you don't make those mistakes you never get started really so just kind of went through it you'll never make it through the interview uh, you know for a job that that is asking you to do things you know like this without that experience you know and you won't stick around either 
you know, no these question. relationships you're building with, with both industry and bands. And then same time, like exposing yourself to, to celebrity so often, right. I mean, and, and then you start to get a grasp and understand kind of what it's, what, not what it's like, but the way you're reacting to this person coming off the bus, you're starting to see, you know, what it's like for them to be the person right. coming off the bus and seeing someone like that, you know, or seeing the effect, totally. you know, like I walk in to get pizza for the kids today for lunch and the person doesn't know me and it's a totally normal interaction. But if I was, uh, you know, uh, if I was, you know, Jonathan Davis and walk into a little Caesars, maybe there's a huge chance that they know who I am. <laughs> and then it's just like, Oh, um, you know, right. You get right. to see that reaction, but then also learn a little bit more about being in that position. You know? Totally. I mean, these days, I think my bands get annoyed with me sometimes because I'm sitting on their buses and I see kids outside and I'm like, one of you, let's go. And they're like, well, we're, you know, this. I'm like, no, those are lifelong fans. <laughs> get off your ass, throw a shirt on. Let's go out there for 20 minutes. I'll go out there with you, but talk to each one of those kids and at least give a photo or, or sign something. And every single time they're like, all right. And then they do it. You know what I mean? Because I'm standing there. I'm making them, you know, most fans want to do it, but you know what I mean? After a long show, after, you know, who knows, show 28 of 30 on mm -hmm. tour, whatever it is, you're just like, some days you're like, dude, I'm just going to chill. And then I'm like, no, <laughs> get up. Yeah. Let's you're go. on tour. You're at work, man. Like, you, yeah, I was like, we got to go. Those are five kids right there that could be here forever. Yep. So well, let's go. So yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting thing to see both sides and carry it and make sure that that kid is treated well. Sure. And that kid is going to go to school the next day or college the next day and blow the story out of proportion to his yes, friends which forever. three or four of his friends are gonna be like wait who did you meet oh you right. know so and so and, and like who and then they know yeah. your band you know totally you gotta always be hustling with that even when you're i mean massive i mean because it can change you know it Very can change quickly. really quickly and if you have those lifelong fans i mean that's a big deal and you'll be okay yeah, yeah exactly they will be there for you you know, they'll sure. be the person at the at the at Dante's in downtown Portland, you know, the, the 300 <laughs> people in Dante's watching you, you know, like uh, and I say this because I I saw um, I did an interview with Cove from uh, from uh, Dead American Seosin uh, and they mm -hmm. were on tour with Eve Six and Eve Six was oh, wow. massive and Eve Six is now playing Dante's for like 300 yes. people. And it's sure. it's so crazy to watch how fast that go that, that can change. You know, because Corn yeah. is playing the Motor Center, you know, almost yeah. sold out. As like big as they've been, yeah. Exactly. And I will say this, like that's that's uh no one sounds like them. I think and no. to this day, no one sounds like them. Whatever genre they started and whatever people yeah. think of it, no one sounds like them to this day. People have tried, yeah. They have tried the so hard. We've <laughs> fallen so short and it's so crazy Absolutely. to see. I mean, Jesus awesome. Christ. So, and so I want to talk to you and this is kind of jumping around, but working with Gatsby's, you did uh, on, on LLR, you did um, uh, in the land of lost monsters, right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. I did the record between ribbons and sugar uh -huh. and volcano. Okay. Diehard fan. That's, and that's, that's uh, interesting. Cause I got that EP um, mm -hmm. from Rudy at a show uh -huh. yep. in Portland because I we played with Gatsby's a bunch with Anatomy of a Ghost on Ribbons and Sugar and that record didn't not ever leave my my CD player it seemed like it was always awesome. on and uh 
it was just so interesting. There's no choruses. Yeah. Like all these <laughs> parts I really want, I have to listen to the whole song to get it one time. You right. Know? You got to go back. It's crazy. <laughs> and then I meet up with them. They're on tour, like a bear versus shark and maybe Circa. I right. don't remember. Um, and Rudy handed me this, this EP. I was like, dude, what's this? He's like, Oh, we just put it out. And I remember looking right. at the label and I didn't know what the label was. And, uh, right. but I didn't even look into it. Like I've just put it in the CD player in my car and listened to yeah. it. It was fantastic. And so awesome. They're such a good band. And I'm so happy that you had a piece of that band. Yeah, because... that was, we love that band in Chicago. So oh, it was cool. I yeah. mean, we it came it came across my I lived with two of the guys from Academy Is, my partner Tony and I lived with two of them, William and Mike. And they, you know, they were writing their record. They were basically starting to become a little bit more sought after in Chicago and shows were getting big. And then we go to the record store all the time where I worked and they, there was a review of ribbons and sugar and in one of the magazines and one of them read it, bought it, brought it home. And we were all like, Oh my God, what the fuck is this? This makes no sense. Like it's catchy as shit. There's no choruses. The lyrics are wild as fuck. Like, you know, it just made no sense to us, but we were in love with it. So I reached out to Bobby for some reason or somehow on, um, on instant messenger and you know to us we don't we didn't know how big or not big gatsby's was we thought they were huge right like mm -hmm. we thought you know just big band the way the record sounded and how cool and smart the record was um and i was just talking to him and he we would talk probably every other day for a couple of weeks or something just about music and you know kind of what the industry is to us and again i'm like a 19 20 year old kid that doesn't know anything about the industry but i'm just like oh yeah this you know support your friends blah 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 what you would think you should do right and him and i just connected over it and he's like yeah we're trying to put out this ep this is what the songs sound like and whatever and i was like dude jokingly i basically said like oh we'll put it out and he's like cool let's do it and I was like, what? That's Bobby, like, dude. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, he's like, yeah, literally, we're, we're going to go in and record it uh, with our buddy Casey. So if you want to, like, this is what it would look like to pay for the recording of it. Let's do it. And then after a couple serious phone calls, he was he wasn't fucking around. And I was like, holy shit. And we were super broke, super in debt. And I was like, we have we have to figure this out. Like, we just opened another credit card to do it. <laughs> you know, it's just wow. was like, fuck it, let's do it. We had no money, and just figured it out. That's insane. That's insane. Yeah. Have you? Have, so have you talked to Bobby about the lyrics to Ribbons and Sugar? Like, have you I had have that talk? Because in, in in many passings, yes, in many different <sighs> ways, yes. Him and I spent one entire night, like almost all night. Uh, we were at yeah. Mike Kaminsky's house. Um, in it. in Huntington or uh, Newport Beach, maybe uh, I don't know where he's at. This he's, was a long he's time. He's more ago. north than me. Yeah, this yeah. Was, okay. Or excuse me, we were at a friend's house. Mike was managing Fear Before the March of Flames, and he was sleeping yes. in a sleeping bag on the mm -hmm. floor with us. And I thought it was so funny because this little tiny man is this manager so manager extraordinaire. <laughs> this little right. tiny guy with the sweetest little voice who loves kitties. Uh, right. is a manager mogul. Anyway, Bobby and I sat out on this porch and he just went through right. the stories of his childhood and that so wild, horrendous. Uh, it made me brought me to tears twice. Sure, and sure. that record now means so much. And then every record after that, like you hear all all Bobby's stories, like it's it's sure. real. 
and he'll it's wild. It's insane. So I eventually want to get him on the pocket and just dissect ribbons of sugar to. for everyone yeah. to hear the story because it's it's he should write a it's insane. But um, totally. He's still one of my dearest friends, and we we text about music probably once a week, and I send him artists that I'm working with and have him reconstruct their song. It's really funny. We we do a lot of stuff still. Um, however many years later this is, probably like 16 years later. Something yeah. crazy. Is he still a flight attendant? Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, when when and if, yeah. I mean, depending on the yeah. industry right now, but yeah, sure. That was insane. Uh, so take me back to because you just said you opened another credit card to do that. How were you funding these releases <laughs> back then? Was it literally going uh, into debt? Yeah. Oh yeah. We, uh, we started, I started with four grand cash that my grandmother gave me for college to, to like get started my first year in college, which I ended up not going and took that money and said, I'd rather start a record label. And luckily my parents were awesome and said, cool, you got a year to like, kind of show us that you're taking it seriously. Otherwise you go back to school. And I was like, great. So did that. Um, you know, Gatsby's, I think was my, eighth or ninth record that we put out something like that so two and a half years after that because it was starting to work with other bands and you know whatever but i say starting to work as in people thought we were successful but we were man i mean when we closed our doors we were 30 grand in credit card debt for sure oh my and this is like 21 year old two 21 year old kids that have i work at a record store and my buddy worked at like an auto place you know what i mean like we're we are not balling we did not have money to pay for it so um, but yeah, so that, that was it. It was just literally for the love of it. We were super in debt. We would, we had probably had four or five different credit cards and we would make any dollars off of one record and put it right into the next one. And then more on top of it with credit cards. So we just never, we weren't like business savvy at all. We just loved what we loved with certain bands and it just helped them and then figured it out later, which we kind of were like, well, let's just you know, I went to Feel Our Ramen and he started tour managing the Academy is. So we kind of shut the doors on the label and both got our gateway. So if you look at it, we kind of spent 30 grand to get our jobs, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. You know? Which so is a small price of, to pay in hindsight. Totally. Between I mean, two people, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, to now a, a career that's taken you, I mean, all over the place. Sure. Absolutely. Him as well. So yeah, I, I would do it all over again. If I knew the outcome, I'd be a lot more scared to do it this time around being older. <laughs> well, you think about it too, like, yeah, 30 grand, 30 grand is like less than a community college degree no in, of debt. Right. Granted, you know, credit card debt is, a, I think it's a little more interest than, uh, right. than student loans, but Jesus Christ. Sure. Yeah. And luckily we sold off all the stuff that we could and kind of got our feet back under us to move on once we stopped. So wasn't too crazy, but yeah, it definitely was just jumping off and not thinking just because we knew the moments that mattered, I think. Yeah. And be, I mean, that's just priceless, priceless uh, experience, you know, and it's a great story, you know, totally. if it just like, now, yeah, now it, it just is. worked out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But if it all just worked out all the way through, right. like, yeah, then the, you know, you know, uh, yeah, like you guys, your first signing was what, like Paramore or something, and it just worked out. Like, <laughs> right, just, it wasn't. That there are way. labels, yeah. No, sure, sure. I mean, even if you go back to Feel by Ramen, like the first huge record was Fall Out Boy, which was their sixty third release. So think 63rd of how sixty third release, sixty third. So I mean, Holy they had shit. 
big, big moments randomly with like a Jimmy World EP or Yellow Card, but not like they didn't have those bands under six record contracts or something crazy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. They did like a big release that sold 20,000 copies, but that was it. That was their release. They didn't have the next one and then the next one. So Fall Boy wow. was the first one to really like break it open. But think about that. 63 records in. Jesus. So what were yeah. you doing for Fueled by Ramen? Were you doing A&R for them or were you working like behind the scenes? Not initially. Yeah, not initially. I got hired to be the retail um, the retail guy. So I was the guy calling and begging random shitty record stores that didn't care about, you know, if I called a record store in Seattle to take, you know, a band like that wasn't selling well or not in, they never been to Seattle. I had to try to convince them to buy three records off of us, you know? So my days were filled with just rejection over and over until you get to the era of, you know, some of the early stuff like the Fall Out Boy stuff breaking or Academy is and Gym Class Heroes and then Paramours. And by then we had a lot of help with, from Atlantic Records. But around then is when I kind of shifted to A&R when we were kind of speaking with Atlantic to take over the retail side of it. Um, and then when I brought the band Forgive Durden to my boss, also Seattle, yeah. um, we, when I brought it to him, he basically was like, cool, why don't you go sign the band? And I was like, well, what do you mean go sign the band? Cause usually I'd show him bands and then we'd go together or he would go and try to figure it out. And this was the first one where he's like, you do it. You sign it. Like you used to sign on your label, make the records and you run point on it. And I was like, Oh, cool. This was like a year, year and a half into me working there. So I did that. And then I signed this Providence. Who's also a Seattle band. Yeah. All uh, both Casey bands that have stuff. toured all Casey Bates <laughs> stuff. And I knew, I knew he would deliver on a small budget for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we made the first forgive Durden record for $3,000 all in. Wow. Which is less money than I paid for in the land of lost monsters, which is crazy. Uh-huh. So, um, but yeah, that's, that was kind of the shift into a and is when I started bringing bands that, and then he was kind of like, I love this, but you go do it. And I was like, great. So he kind of empowered me to take over that side of it, uh, with him man that's killer so that, red yeah yeah I, I i i was talking about this with probably with sanshaw because i brought that band glacier veins to him where awesome. uh dude i love that band and i don't get that feeling very often about a band especially live like in a small like uh uh what 100 capacity venue with right. like 20 people to where instantly i was just like felt something i was like this band is going to be huge and then hearing the new single they put out like on their own and I just like put it on repeat in my car and drove around an extra 45 minutes to where I was going so I could hear it enough times. And I was, I just hit him up. I was like, can I send your stuff to some people? And they're like, are you still there? Your call has been forwarded. Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. Eight, one, three. Are you there? Yeah. There oh, you go. That was All super right. weird. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was like, and I tried calling back when I read the voicemail. Yeah, I did the same thing. <laughs> weird. Um. Anyways, uh, but I but I I heard that single and I was like, and when I asked him, I called Malia. I was like, can I send your stuff to some people? And she's like, well, sure. yeah, sure. But we're already on a label. I was like, I know, I know, and it's a small label, but I, I want to send it around. 
And I think Dan right. was the first person I sent it to. And then uh, he's like, yeah, we're, uh, let me sit on it for a little bit. And I didn't know it was going to happen. And then he wrote me back and said, like, hey, the whole team's jamming this thing. And right, then they were, awesome. like, into it and signed him. And I was like, what? That's, that's amazing. killer. And now the Fucking virus killed cool. that tour they got picked up on. <laughs> but yeah. the record is fantastic. That's great. I don't see how the for the love of it, sometimes yeah. the right people get together. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's crazy to think about that. But like, so, I mean, A and R is an interesting position because, like, you. I mean, a lot. Of, I think a lot of people are confused on what it even is because sure. you know you hear, oh, my A and R guy, or or a lot of times you hear, uh, you know, our our A and R at the label no longer works there, so the the, the <laughs> record failed. <laughs> You know, the usual story. Yeah. Everyone that was into us is no longer working there. So yeah, no your your head your head cheerleader left. Yeah, it's gone. Exactly, exactly. But right. so, fueled by ramen starts taking off. I mean, like what I remember fueled by ramen for, of course, is probably what everyone does. It's the Fall Boy Paramore stuff, like, sure. uh, which I think Paramore is still doing stuff. Are they on Atlantic? No, they're still on us. Still on fuel. Yeah. Okay, and. So that stuff starts blowing up huge. And then right. I always associate, for some reason, I associated Fueled by Ramen with Pete Wentz. Yes, I thought so that was his label, but didn't he buy into it right. or something? No. So what happened there, which a lot of people think that, which is awesome, and he's great. So he's a huge part of the success of that era. He had started, um, he he was the one who originally took uh, Academy Is and brought them to, to Fueled by Ramen. So him and I had obviously worked on that band together you know just as friends or whatever and then he took the next one he had found i believe was gym class heroes um through a friend of ours nick schmecka uh, in chicago and then panic and i think he was just finding all this stuff that he was super excited about so he started a label called the cadence um and then that was through field by ramen for the first like I don't know, four years, something like that. Um, so she had a sub label within Feel by Ramen, but a lot of the, there was a lot of big stuff on that simultaneous with the stuff that John was still signing to Feel by Ramen as well. Okay. See, that's something, that's a side I've never worked on. So mm-hmm. I don't even understand how it all works because I've never done the label. I've always been, you know, talking to labels or, or, you know, putting right. out a record, but never the back end kind of stuff. So I'm curious, right. like when you say, so you've done some pretty, amazing signings in the last the last few years i mean brought some really awesome stuff forward what is the process in that when you when you're out like before all this stuff happened with the virus you know how many Mm -hmm. nights a week are you going out watching bands or going to shows and then when you find something you like what's the process from there that takes it from so say like tones and i like Mm -hmm. What happened? What was the process with that signing? How did that work from like seeing the band or hearing the band to right. boom on Jimmy Fallon? Right. Um, with her, she had released a single um, earlier last year uh, just on her own in Australia. And she had been grooming a small a fan base, small all the way into pretty big before we before she released music because she was a busker just performing on the streets in Australia and just crowds were getting out of hand big because everyone just loved her. And so she released her first song called Johnny Runaway. And then it went really quickly on Australian radio. Triple J is a big prominent component there in LA and in, uh, in Australia. So the song did really well there. So it caught our attention through a few different ways, just through partners and through, you know, we do a lot of like research on the data side of things when things are like randomly jumping and 
big, big numbers that you're kind of like, whoa, what is this? Why is it performing so well on, you know, these two playlists? How did it get on those? So you start reverse engineering why things are happening. Um, and with her, that song was going crazy. And then we had gotten a couple songs from them. We reached out, got a couple songs from them, started talking to management and started talking to her. And she had sent a batch of songs and one of them being Dance Monkey. And then we were kind of like, oh, okay, cool. This is great. And then she's like, yeah, I got shows in two weeks or whatever. So my boss was like, well, why don't you just go? Like, go to Australia and go see some of those shows. I was like, okay. Why don't you just go to Australia? (laughs) And at the time I'm sitting in a studio in nashville while the band camino is recording their debut with us too so i'm not Mm -hmm. even home you know so i'm literally like wait i'm in nashville i have to go home to california and you're asking me to go to i should you're saying i should go to australia next week you know it's like yeah okay i guess we'll figure this out hope it's worth it you know (laughs) so so we do that and we go and I, i go and i see her and she's playing she's doing like a really small like 100 125 cap tour um, and she's, they're all sold out because the first single is still doing really well there, but it was booked so far in advance that she wanted to keep the in- intimate venues for the fans that were early, you know? So she wanted to make it special and do those anyway. So I went to one of those and when I landed and got to the show that first day, she like came up to me and was like, I can't believe you actually came. I didn't think you were a real person. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, cool. Yeah, it was awesome. So then she went on and killed it. And I literally was watching it just like mind blown. It was just the coolest storytelling in between songs. Like no one think about this. She had one song released and she had just released her second song being Dance Monkey a week prior. And she played for an hour, I would say. And everyone there was losing their minds, only hearing really one or two songs. Mm -hmm. But that's how good of a storyteller she was within her songs and in between songs, setting up the story for the song. So you were so invested, no matter if you've heard the song or not, you already knew how powerful it was. So with that one, like literally by the end of the night, I was on the phone and the time zones were real fucked up. Obviously, it was like I was watching her at night in Australia, but calling and texting my bosses who it was morning the day before in new york or something crazy Uh so we were talking and i was just like you know we were i freaked out and i was sending them videos and when dance monkey played i was like this is it it's over like if (laughs) we were even even kind of excited before like figure it out right now and we kind of went and moved as quick as we could to where literally the next day at breakfast, like we're discussing a record deal um, and going through points of it, or at least, you know, kind of points, really broad strokes. And then she had come to New York a few weeks, pro- a few weeks later to meet with every label. I think she met with like 20 labels or something ridiculous. Um, and then by the end of that process, she was just like, you know, you guys have always been there from the start or however, you know, she was just like, I've always felt just the honest, you know, well-being would be taken care of and trust you with the art. Let's do it. So it was a very fun process. It was the craziest thing I've ever done. No question. And obviously looking at the numbers, probably the craziest thing, in, you know, life-changing <laughs> career. That's insane. And and she was right. I mean, she yeah. found one of the most honest people in the music business right there. Johnny Minardi. Like the end. Well, hope so. I mean, wow. <laughs> in Nashville. Yeah, why don't you fly to Australia? And then you do it, and she she's blown blown away that you actually exist. That's right. That's ridiculous. That cool. And you get to see yeah. something so special, right. you know. And you got to think too when when you call management, 
you know, for a band like this, they're freaking the fuck out once they hang up the phone. Like, holy shit. You know, Johnny yeah. from Electra, Electra Record, or Electra Music Group just called and they're losing their shit. You know, like the same, yeah. the same uh, thing. Like when you were outside on the bus, like, holy fuck, so and so's coming out. Holy fuck, so and so's coming out. That same moment's happening for them just because of a phone call. Totally. How insane I mean, is that turnaround from the kid in front of the bus to I make a phone call and people flip the fuck out? You <laughs> know, mean, across the world. I'd- I don't think of it that way, but I, I appreciate the sentiment of what you're saying. I definitely love the thought of just like, if we're the right partner, then we can provide for you. You know what I mean? And yeah. there's definitely cases where those conversations start and we see different visions and goals and we just go like, Hey, I don't think we're the ones to help you get it there. You know, to me, I'd rather do that than to be in the business of tricking some, some artists or whatever it is. Like I sure. would much rather just be a fan of something if I felt like I was getting in the way. And with her, it was, it was just like, uh, we aligned so perfectly in that sense of what she was explaining she wanted to do mm-hmm. with her career and, you know, is very much her own way. And clearly she, I mean, she writes all of her own songs. Like it's just a very different thing for someone competing at the level she competes at. And I think there's something crazy, honest and sincere with everything she does. Yeah. If someone's willing to go out and, and be a busker, you know, like just play right. your stuff. Like wasn't Jeff Buckley a, a busker too for a while? Like, I think I mean, so. Yeah, some of the most talented people. I mean, and you see those videos on YouTube where like Seal will go out and sing <laughs> with somebody in like a costume or something to where they don't know who right. he is, and right. you know, like, and I'm sure some of that stuff staged. Like, okay, of in course. five minutes yeah, we're I gonna mean... do this. But how cool is that? You know, like some of the most yeah, talented the people, and they're doing it for the love of it. Like, what am I gonna do today? I'm gonna go sit at the side of this building and I'm gonna put a case out there and I'm just gonna play music. You know, sure. I'm not going to make any money. I'm going to make some money, whatever. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's what's so cool about you, too, Johnny, is, is you are a true music fan. So like you, you and you you genuinely, you know, believe in these people and, and want to. So it's so cool to see that indie label attitude in a major label uh showroom you know what i mean like love that yeah and i think just how you put it is how i always try to say it where like i love to you know say something along the lines of like i want to be able to protect your vision from you know some random faceless entity but i also want to help you the second you feel like we can help you you know so it's like a very push and pull of like my ideals from growing up in the punk rock ethos of everything but then also knowing we have a machine with us you know Uh a full army of people that when the time is right we can do it and we've proven to do it over and over again that the track record speaks for itself so there's nothing there's no ego there's nothing to gloat about it's just like each artist is so different Mm -hmm. that you know and some artists don't want to go that fast or go that big or what you know everyone's different and you you could lay out the options in front and certain ones pick different ways you know and and that's cool too it's Mm -hmm. not all doesn't all have to be the same thing which is super exciting sure i mean you have you have something you can provide and and if they want to take it they can take it you know but you genuinely want them you know on your team like that's that's absolutely that's the stuff i mean and your example and and you know the culture you're building is going to change a lot of people too in in that realm you know people that may have not come up through the indie world you know uh, that just went hey i got an internship at here and this is and i like these bands and and boom let's you know make money um you know (laughs) everyone needs to make money to live i mean you're a family man you have to make money but of course you can you can lay your head on your pillow at night you know and and know that's what it is it your best shot you know 
Right. There's a right and a wrong way to do all that stuff. So exactly. I like to, again, pride myself, like you said, being able to sleep at night versus mm-hmm. knowing I took something from someone that didn't deserve. Yeah. And being able to bring your, your daughter up. Like, I love those pictures of her on someone's back. Who Whose back was she on at that festival? Like, <laughs> Yeah, that was Jack from All Time Low. He okay. was DJing and she ran out and he pulled her <laughs> to uh, run around stage and start the next song. And yeah, she's uh, she's experienced some wild um, shows. She watched she got to watch Circa from side stage and I, I got a cool shot of that. There's just stuff that like we're living through her as parents of like, you don't even understand how cool this is. Yeah. Yeah. She's just such a, such a, it's so, so fun to watch that on the Instagram and stuff. Like I, I get a chuckle out of it every time. So it was like, man, this awesome. kid is going to be into it, man. Like <laughs> so ingrained. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm very curious where it takes her in that sense of what, what passion is yeah maybe she hates it who knows yeah sometimes they go the other way rebels against it i'm gonna do this i'm gonna be a accountant and and uh or a librarian or something (laughs) absolutely i wouldn't be shocked but oh my god well tell me so so going to vp of a and r so vp of a and r for electric music group what does that entail you have a team of people below you that or underneath you that that are a and r folks as well that you then a kind of are you still able to find bands and bring bands together are you using yeah. them no it's it's not even exactly like that it's like we're all just a big team and we very much you know at diff whatever it's like we we all do the same things every day in that sense of we have a roster of bands that we work with on within the label and we're obviously always searching and talking to new ones so you know everyone operates at a similar you know, day, if you will. Um, and we all have, you know, we have consultants, interns, we have like just a big team and, you know, at any moment, any artist can come through any one of those things. So I truly think that each piece of it is just as important depending on the day of the week. Right. Yeah. So, and, and you can see the drive in certain people quicker or different than others. You know what I mean? And that's not to say that someone won't be successful, but it's just to say like someone that constantly wants to, turn over new bands and be like, look, this one's cool, but I don't love, you know, I love this person's voice, but I just think they're trapped in the wrong thing. Like, what if we help them with this producer? And, you know, it's like ideas like that <laughs> to really blueprint something special. I love those kind of conversations too, with an artist of just like, well, what are you going for? What if you tried some of this? And that's why I think the whole team is special because they all come from different backgrounds mm-hmm. um, and different, you know, levels and ages and eras, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So, and so fever three, 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 was that your deal as well? Mm -hmm. Dude, that band, that band is off the chain. Like the the best Jason, especially is such a special person. I mean, uh, one of the most passionate front man I've ever seen, you know, I mean, no question. uh, He, he came on, he came on the show, uh, right before right after no right before i think the record came out and right. uh he and i had not met really before and we had a great chat and then you know he still keeps in touch like it's it's ra- like it's so random oh, yeah. and strange he's that guy he's for so sure. grateful for everything mm-hmm. like i probably helped him not at all but but you know like like a little blip but he was so appreciative of of everything and and just you know engaged yeah. It's so crazy yeah. how people can be with, you know, me aside, like the amount of other people he has to stay engaged with 
and still have time to do the family thing and everything else is right. just mind boggling to me. Who who can yeah. keep that all together and then go out I mean, and annihilate? That's just his passion again. You know what I mean? Like he's just a radiant dude that is you're around him and you know, it's, it's real. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, there's some sort of passion leaking from him at any moment, um, whether it be the middle of the night or not or something, you know? So, yeah. um, you know, he's a special dude. And when I, you know, when I first met him, I, I, I saw him, them posting the like 4th of July, Randy's donut stuff, um, through probably through Feldman stuff uh-huh. and then reached out right away and just kind of went to the studio with John and John played me a bunch of the songs and literally picked up the phone and he's like, Jason, I got this dude here. You've never met. You should, you should meet with him. Where are you? And he's like, I'm at work. Um, Delivering like cookies, right? He, at this point, I think he worked at this like watch shop or something. This is a little <laughs> bit after the cookies thing. Um, and he's like, and then I called him and was just like, where are you? And he's like, you know, here, I was like, cool. Can you take an hour, half hour lunch break at some point in the next few hours? He's like, sure. And I was like, cool, I'm on my way. And went and took him to lunch and sat down and just like really connected. We had just both been obsessed with the defiant ones right at that moment. And uh-huh. just kind of talked about like, again, like how raging Against the machine made me feel when I was 14 years old in a sold out arena or like learning to question everything in that. And I was like, I want that moment. And I want that for other people, you know? And he was just like, dude if you're ready let's go like and we just jumped into it i actually still have the voicemail that he called me with later that night just being like i'm in like whatever you guys need let me know let's start doing this um and it's it's pretty special but yeah i mean we're rounding up record two right now so he's he's in the midst of that so oh my god johnny that is so awesome i think that's the same thing i said i was like you're the rage against the machine that we need right now like you are that fire that we totally. need and because that, rage hadn't that, come back yet and i was totally like, this exactly is like, this is yeah two and a half three years ago at this point yeah um but yeah i mean and, yeah it's like and it was the first week i started back at you know roadrunner fuel by and all that and i just was like bumped into john and listened to this stuff and i was like oh my god i need we got to figure this out and yeah. here we are dude that is killer that is absolutely killer is that how you met uh travis barker then was through that or did you know yes. him before no, just through that. Yeah, yeah. We were just because we would be in, in the studio going over music with um, Jason and John for the most part or whatever mixed bag of nuts we were that day. Um, and then it's funny because we would him and I would be referencing these like obscure things kind of. And we'd both be like, "Whoa, you know about that? Like, I, I remember I was like this. There was a song called Vandals that we ended up releasing later as a B-side for the Japanese record from fever and i was like the production should be more like this like one-off zach de la roca thing he did called digging for windows and travis was like holy shit you know that song and i'm like it's unbelievable <laughs> but no one's heard of it it's it literally had like eighty thousand plays or something you know something really minuscule for a guy on that size of a stage yeah and i was like but the production was so rad i've always stuck with it and that's what the song needs and then they went back so it's like we just connected over a couple of those things and then we would just offline about certain artists here and there and just share share music and eventually he started just like you know he's been producing and writing for other artists and he mm-hmm. would just like you know take a kid in do a bunch of songs and then that band that artist would go sign somewhere like atlantic or, or another label or whatever and eventually he started to send me some of these kids and they didn't have labels and i was like well why instead of sending these kids around to other labels why don't you just do a label and he's like i just don't have the right partner i was like okay 
Hey, Shit. good to meet you. Yeah. And then I we sat down and just went through a bunch of music and just kind of always saw eye to eye on stuff. And, you know, we very much clicked in that sense again, just like much like Jason and I are, you know, when you feel like you can help someone and you're like, I have this area in this platform, how can I provide it if for something that I see you're doing that's really special and you're the creative that's speaking to the world, you know, I'm mm -hmm. not, I'm the one that could just give this area. Um, and yeah, it's been incredible. I mean, he's such a wizard. I'm watching him take an artist from zero to all, you know, just the, the, the tenacity and like the step-by-step -step he puts into like the artistry of everything mm -hmm. is just so crazy. And it's like, for anyone that thinks the dude is just like a phenomenal drummer, which obviously he is, it's like, he's so beyond that for the vision and, and how he t treats each of these people step every step of the way it's been incredible to learn from yeah absolutely and then come what drummer for the aquabats to then hey you want to join this <laughs> right. blink 182 band and then wait a minute right. you're a mogul like right it's so crazy how things like that happen like right pick plucked from obscurity and then you know a, just a monster totally and then, and and then the you, stuff he did, did with nothing well yeah yeah yeah. oh my yeah, god yeah we did we did another the band that's fucking awesome totally Dude, awesome. I'm glad he liked it. Yeah, that came completely naturally too to to show the side of him that's like true to like the artist roots. It's like he had reached out to me about them, about him. It's it's one dude, yeah, Joe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and he basically was like, you know, hey, I saw what he went through, like tell me more about it. And I did. And he, you know, kind of was like, I see it. Like I went through a bunch of that side of depression and couldn't get back on stage and all this other stuff. Like, if you ever want, bring him out. Um, and I'll spend time with him and just like, let him know, like, it's, it's, it's okay. Like you can re refine your footing. And he had nothing to do with the artist. Like he truly just like was enamored with the thought process of like the story and just like seeing this tortured artist, like fumble, you know? And he's just like, dude, send them out. And so on the next trip, we put them in the studio together and they just kept writing and writing and they, by the end of like a two, you know, we didn't do two straight weeks, but but maybe like five or six days, they had like four or five songs done. And I was like, holy shit, like we should just do this as like a project, like a one off thing. Um, and they both, you know, they they just had this chemistry that was so great. So we, we dropped that late last year in the fall called Bloodlust and six songs and it's fucking mm -hmm. killer. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, you have such a such a good grasp of of what can work but at the same time you know saving that passion you know like it's so i mean i view you guys you know on such a similar level uh you know you and barker like just both just moguls like just you just understand like you have the passion you have the drive you have the ear you have the means you know it, it's just such a cool partnership to see and then at the same time like the 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 music you're bringing to the table is fucking amazing. You know, like yeah, we're, I like, appreciate it. Yeah. I, te I, sh I was showing the fever stuff every chance I had at work, putting mm -hmm. it on and like talking to people at work about it. Like, you know, no, you got to check this band out. Like, and I would sure. mention every once in a while, they're like, he sounds kind of familiar. I was like, have you heard let live? And they're like, yeah, but they right. had not heard, they had not heard the fever. And I was like, dude, this is seriously going to be like huge. Like, it has to be mm -hmm. like, there's no other <laughs> way, you know? Yeah, and then, that's the uh, plan. That's the hope. Yeah, and I was supposed to have uh, Joe from Nothing Nowhere on the show on tour. Man, this was a right. while back, but I think he had yeah. something going on. We just didn't have time. Yes. I right. would love to still get his story down, you know, like and, of and, course. and talk to him because 
uh, listening to those songs, like I identify with so much in the in the lyrics mm-hmm. of those songs, and it's so true. And it's right. it's not you know uh, it's just real, and it's rare to see so much rawness, you know, especially like from right. Fever and from from uh, Nothing Nowhere, like just as examples. Like it's it's something you just don't hear very often. Totally, and you know? and that's what I think draws me to those artists. And you know, again, it's always about getting to know them. And when you get to know specifically those two people, like it's not bullshit. You know what I mean? Like you just yeah. truly are enamored with. I like I believe what this person's saying and I think it one can help a lot of people or whatever it may be you know watching that process is so important to me to be able to stand behind it and beside them and really go to battle for them in times where we need it you know so I think it's it's been incredible to like learn from those kind of artists about the sincerity of it and when you meet with an artist that isn't that way you see it very very differently very fast you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and you're just like okay, well, I don't know. Do I want this to be my life's work? Do I want to really like, does this matter to me in three years? Like whatever, whatever it may be, like it's, it's maybe a harsher lens to put on to judge an artist, but you know, that's the honest truth. Like we all have 24 hours and I want to make sure that when I'm spending and it's spending things that I can be really, really proud of. And that's what makes me excited to get out of bed every day to do this shit, you know? And it's some days, well beyond the stress level I ever thought I can, uh, you know, take. And there's other days that I'm just like, you know, I fucking love this shit. And mm-hmm. and then you kind of work through an issue or whatever it may be. And you really stand up and go like, dude, this is awesome. I hope this is helping someone, you know, or whatever. And each artist has a different goal, obviously. And a lot of those artists, especially those two have charities that they've started or, you know what I mean? And there's like a, a, a big donation process and same thing with grandson. And there's a few other artists that are like in the process of setting them up to where proceeds get split to causes that are important to them. And to me, that's so much bigger than, you know, selling a bunch of records or whatever. Like it's nice to have both and go hand in hand to help the other platforms, but it's just rad when people are just like trying to spread, you know, positivity or whatever it may be, you know, even through, some really honest, dark, raw shit, but saying, Hey, I'm proof that you can come out the other side. This is, this is what it is. You know, hopefully that gets someone up. Well, it's very similar to, to with podcasting where it's, it's, uh, it's not how many people are listening. It's who's listening, you know, like when when Brian from corn says, Oh yeah. Hey, I I listened to your show or you get hit up on Instagram randomly. Like, it's like, okay, People are listening, but it's like, you know, who's listening? And I will also, right. I'll forward out the emails I get to the guests I have, or people writes me, or people write me and, and say, hearing so and so say this, you know, got me to get help or got me to, got Fuck me out yeah. of this depression. I will forward it immediately to that person and, yeah. and say, hey, either nice job or hey, would you reach out to this person? And a lot of times they're like, sure. Fuck yeah, send me their info. Of course. That's you know? what and it is. That person and those are the people. Shit. Right. And those are the people I want to be surrounded by. No question. It's the people that are willing to always put it in front. Yeah. Yeah. And if you say, get off that bus and go take that picture and they do it there, (laughs) you got it. (laughs) That's some real people right there. That's the point of all of it. Yeah, man. Well, Johnny, dude, I've had you on the phone for over an hour now, man. I I appreciate the time so much, dude. I I was so excited to do this episode and, uh, you know, it's it's been it's been an absolute pleasure and you know thank you for all you're doing you know for music for inspiring people inspiring me like showing me you know that there's still you know a lot of good in the music industry you know and and people that really care you know 
And uh, appreciate it, dude. Dude, appreciate you having me on, dude. I'm obviously a fan of the show as well. I listen all the time. So when you texted, I was like, "Fuck yeah, let's do this shit." So awesome. keep doing what you're doing. Obviously, all the bands out there keep fucking kicking everyone's ass. So yeah, man. <laughs> Is there it. anything you want to plug? You know, you need to write a book or start a podcast and call it. We all <laughs> we all have 24 hours because oh, when you man. texted me that the other day, I was just like thinking about. it. I was like, you know what? Damn, he's right. You know, it's oh, what we do no, with it. You know, good. yeah, of course, dude. No, everything's good. I'm just fucking follow along if you want on socials see what new shit we're putting out or whatever you know like there's there's a lot of good shit out there so come and try to find it awesome johnny well dude thank you so much i'll let you get back to your sunday man but uh i'll be in touch soon all right brother thanks dude take care bye all right guys i hope you enjoyed that episode with johnny minardi like i said one of the last true heroes of the music business he is a man of his word he has integrity he has charisma he has the magical ear for finding talent and things that uh, you know he knows will like, and uh, just a, just a mogul. I mean, I'm gonna say it. He's just a mogul. He's an awesome dude. He always has time for his friends. You know, if if I need something, I can call him up, text him, whatever, uh, ask him a question. You know, uh, you know, run something by him. You know, no matter how busy he is, he'll get on the line. It's absolutely crazy, and you know. To see the talent he's brought to the forefront of the music business, you know, he's made a name for himself. He hasn't just kind of, you know, gotten thrown in there. He's he's worked for it. Um, and you've heard from our conversation all the great things he's done, and uh, you'll continue to see from Johnny. Uh, we need more people like him in the music business. I'm just going to say that, too, because... You know, it's a it's an interesting thing. There's a lot of people in it for the wrong reasons, and he is not. So, uh, you know, if you get a chance to work with Johnny, um, you know, cheers to you, and uh, hopefully, hopefully that all works out well. But uh, thanks again, Johnny, for coming on the show, and uh, yeah, what an awesome dude. I just get so, uh, I just get so into it talking to friends on this show and and seeing you know where we all end up and and where we've come from. It just, it gets me, you know, super excited. You know, it's, it's something that uh, is special to capture that moment in time and that part of their story. And I'm glad you guys come along with me week after week. We've got a lot of stuff coming up. We've got a lot of episodes in the can, uh, a lot of interviews coming up and we've got some big stuff coming. So I'll definitely keep you guys uh, abreast of that as it comes forward. But uh, anyway, uh, thanks for coming back week after week, guys. We'll be back next week with another episode. Uh, it's going to be a good one. I don't know if I'll tell you, maybe I'll tell you, maybe I'll throw a hint up, but I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. Um, so yeah, thank you so much guys. Thanks to Johnny. Thanks to Blackcraft Colt and Thunderbolt guitars for being an amazing sponsors of the show. Uh, and cheers to you guys. All right, guys, we'll see you on the radio. Mm-hmm.